the BCS podcast, where we explore the basics of computer science concepts. I'm your host, Saran, founder of Code Newbie. And I'm Vaidhi Joshi, author and developer. And she is the brilliant mind behind the BCS blog series. Today, we are continuing our conversation on dynamic programming. This season of BCS is brought to you by Dev Discuss. Dev Discuss is a show I work on with the team at Dev, an international supportive community for developers. The show addresses the many burning topics that pop up on Dev every day and is hosted by Jess Lee and Ben Halper, two of Dev's co-founders. Past episodes have included unpopular opinions with Kelsey Hightower, staff developer advocate at Google Cloud and a legendary voice in tech. So unpopular opinion should be like, computers were a mistake. Was, <laughs> was this all worth it? and how changing your name is a difficult, unsolved, and sometimes personally devastating problem in tech. I basically walk through this world, through this minefield of not knowing when I'm going to have this like sort of deep emotional wound reopened. As well as how little known tools can have big productivity gains. And I think it gives me the sense of structure, which I really enjoy. And also you can color code different things. Each episode features interesting guests from diverse backgrounds who are active in the software space. This podcast is your place for burning tech questions, answers, and genuine conversations. And we also end each episode with commentary from the everyday developers who call Dev home. You'd be surprised how many things making music and coding have in common. True to the Dev community, Dev Discuss wouldn't be possible without the input from all of you. So listen, rate, and subscribe to Dev Discuss wherever you get your podcasts. So we started talking about dynamic programming last episode. It's also known as dynamic optimization. Can we do a quick recap? What is that? Dynamic programming is basically an approach to algorithm design. And the approach is effectively that we can solve complex problems by breaking them down into smaller versions of those problems. So breaking them down into smaller parts. And with dynamic programming, once you break down a large problem into effectively a subproblem, you can store the results of a subproblem, and then you basically only need to do the hard work once, and then you can use those results later on. And memoization is a big part of dynamic programming as well, which is awesome. And memoization I love because it's like, I'm writing a memo. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like writing I'm like keeping track of all these things and like writing little notes. And that's really important in dynamic programming as well. Yeah, that's the storing the results bit of mm -hmm. how it works. Okay, so we've been working with the Fibonacci sequence, which just to remind everyone is when you add the previous two numbers to get to the third number. So for example, we start with zero, then we add one, zero plus one is one, one plus one is two, one plus two is three, and so on and so forth. So when we're calculating the Fibonacci sequence, we're doing dynamic programming, is that right? Well, yeah, we can use dynamic programming if we want to be a little bit smarter about mm. things. But I think before we get into the dynamic programming bit, in order to really drive home the point, it's worth understanding what it's like to calculate the Fibonacci sequence to solve this big problem mm. without dynamic programming, mm. which basically means imagine that we don't know about dynamic programming and we were approaching this problem and we weren't using memoization. Mm. What would that time complexity be? Because mm -hmm. if we look at that version, I think it'll become really apparent to us why it's bad. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. So we know that the basic formula for getting to that third number, let's call it T of n, is we have to look at the number before it. So T n minus 1. 
and then the number before that, which is t n minus 2. So the formula is t of n equals t n minus 1 plus t n minus 2. Yeah, and basically what we're really trying to do here with where we're, you're talking about t of n, we're really talking about, because we're talking about space-time complexity right now, we're talking about how much time it will take for us to solve for whatever n is. So that mm. could be like the fifth element in Fibonacci. So how much time t would it take for us to solve for the fifth element n? So mm -hmm. really t of n is the time to solve for an element. And so you're right that the formula to, to like figure out how much time it's going to take for us to solve it totally depends on how much time it takes to solve the element before it, n minus 1, and then the element before that, which is n minus 2. Right. However, it's also worth noting that we need to solve for the two numbers in the Fibonacci sequence before it, but mm -hmm. also we need to sum those numbers. Ah, right. And then we need to return the value of that. Right. So there's like a tiny little bit of computation we need to do, but that's effectively constant. Okay. Because it doesn't really matter if you're solving for the fifth element or the 500th element in Fibonacci because doing addition and then returning a value is like the amount of energy and time it takes to do that is pretty negligible pretty low, in yeah. terms of computing. So we're just going to say that that's O of one okay. constant time. So the real amount of time it takes to solve for T of N is T of N minus one plus T of N minus two mm -hmm. plus O of one, which is that constant time for addition, mm. which is really, you almost can forget about it, but I don't want to forget about it just because it's important to remember we have to do it. Mm -hmm. It's not mm -hmm. going to impact how much time it's going to take by that much. Okay. So looking at that formula, how do we describe the time complexity? I think what we want to do here is we really want to look at the part of this little formula of solving for some number in the Fibonacci sequence we want to look at the harder part of that. So it's not the O of 1 part that's hard. It's the T of N minus 1 plus T of N minus 2. That's the harder part. Because basically what we want to do is we want to recursively solve for the previous element and the element previous to the previous element, which mm -hmm. is the N minus 1 and the N minus 2. Right. And really what this formula is telling us is we're doing two recursive versions of Fibonacci mm. within this one problem we're trying to solve. And the other thing it's telling us is that when we're recursively solving for n minus 1 and n minus 2, well, what we're really doing is we have two inner algorithms that we're trying to do. We have, we have to solve for t n minus 1, and then also we have to solve for t n minus 2. And so we're doing two algorithms at the same time mm. recursively, wow. which really should like be like a red flag. Sounds intense. In the air. Yeah. Yeah. It's not good <laughs> because basically you're now doing something that's like, it's actually worse than exponential. What that ends up being, if you wrote out what it would take to solve for T N minus one mm -hmm. and what it would take to solve for T of N minus two, you'd figure out that it would be O of phi raised to the N. Phi. And you'll remember back in season seven, episode two, we talked about phi and its relationship to the golden ratio mm. and how the golden ratio is related to Fibonacci. So 
the important bit really is if you want to just ignore the whole five bit, mm. it's the fact that we're solving for something that is raised to the power of N. Mm. Like anything raised to the power of anything no is bueno. just bad. Yeah. Yeah. If it's raised to the power of two, it's like, okay, it's like exponential. But raised to the power of N is like Oof. especially bad. Yeah. Because basically this algorithm is going to like – as it grows, it's going to double with each addition to the input data set. Right. So if you now have, Ouch. you know, if you have five elements versus six elements, that's a huge difference. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now your whole runtime is like doubling. It's not good. Right. Anytime you see exponents, you should be like, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> not like in life, just with <laughs> just with big O notation. Constantly <laughs> run away from exponents. That is the lesson <laughs> to learn from this episode. Okay, got it. Okay, so that's that's really bad for time complexity. I'm assuming that our dynamic programming, our dynamic optimization, taking advantage of memoization, I'm assuming it gets us something better than Ooh, exponential. Yeah. Okay, so Ooh, yeah. with <laughs> Okay, so with memoization, what happens? Well, if we think about this, if you had a notepad and you calculated something for that notepad, but let's say you like Ignore the, the fact that you had to do like this hard work of calculating it. Once you've calculated it and you wrote it down, how hard is it to look it up in mm. your notepad that you wrote something down? Not that hard. It's right there. Yeah. It's actually, if you have like one element or 1,000 elements, it takes the same amount of time, right? Because you're basically like, I just have to look it up in my little notepad. Mm-hmm. So basically, the cost of memoization, the cost of looking up a memoized value once you have it memoized mm-hmm. That takes constant time. That's Mm. known as O of 1. Okay. So finding those remembered values is not very hard. doesn't cost us a lot, right, because it's memoized. Now, we can't just magically end up with memoized values, right? right? We have to do some work. We got to calculate them. Yes, we got to calculate them. Notably, you only got to calculate them once, which is really nice because say we're like, okay, let's find the 10th element in Fibonacci okay, you're going to have to calculate elements 9, 8, 7, all the way down, right? Until Mm -hmm. you figure out the whole sequence. Right. But once you've done it, Mm -hmm. you don't have to do it again. So if Mm -hmm. I say, okay, find the 11th element, way easier. Way easier. Yeah, we've done like most of the work already. It's in our memo pad. Yeah, exactly. So really, the thing that we care about is really not the memoization because Mm -hmm. we know that's a constant amount of time. Mm -hmm. We care about all the non-memoized calls. So basically, all the like the initial calculations we have to do. So the first time that we have to solve for Fibonacci for some number. So it's like, you got to do the calculation to figure out the Fibonacci sequence once. Mm-hmm. And that's going to completely depend on how far through the sequence you're counting. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking for the 10th element, then it's going to take the amount of time, like completely depends on which element mm-hmm, mm-hmm. versus the 100th element. So Non-memoized calls to the Fibonacci function completely depend on the size of it, which basically means it's linear. Oh, right. Oh, oh, that's much better. Yeah. Effectively, like we basically replace that whole T of N minus 1 plus T of N minus 2 mm-hmm. with a much nicer formula, Yeah, which is basically O of 1, mm-hmm. which is the memoization, plus O of N, mm-hmm. plus O of 1, which was the original, you know, I have to do some addition and return a value. Right. And because O of 1 is like negligible, mm-hmm. we can basically say that with memoization, mm-hmm. recursive Fibonacci just takes linear time, Ooh. which is O of N. Ooh, nice. Oh, what a relief. Yeah, we went from this terrible 
way Awful. worse than exponential mm. situation to something linear. Mm-hmm. Nice. Okay, so that is talking about time complexity. What about space complexity? So the space complexity completely depends on how many things you're memoizing. So if you're memoizing a few elements, then the amount of space you actually need is much less. But Mm -hmm. if you're memoizing more elements, then you need slightly more space. But again, like as I mentioned, memoizing something on a memo pad is actually not very hard because really it's negligible given the fact that you're just recording a value Mm -hmm. once you have calculated it. Right. So the space complexity, like you do have to sacrifice a little bit of space because you have to memoize parts of the Fibonacci sequence so that you can remember those previous subproblems. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. if I want to find the 10th element, I have to somewhere in memory in space, I have to record elements one through nine. Mm-hmm. So you're sacrificing some space, but really it's so worth it because mm. you don't need that much space. And the space that you're you know using is so worth it because you're no longer needing to do those calculations in a silly way, it definitely becomes worth it to like sacrifice a little bit of space in order to save that much time. That's good news. I will take that sacrifice. Cool. So, <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so dynamic programming. So we've walked through what it means. We walked through the Fibonacci example and how we'd implement it. In the Fibonacci example, are we basically done? Is that kind of the, the memoization being like the crux of what dynamic programming is? Yeah, I think there's one other thing worth noting, which is that in this whole Fibonacci example that we talked about this episode and also last episode, we sort of only explored one approach to dynamic programming paradigms. Oh, there's multiple approaches. Well, at least with dynamic programming, there's basically two ways that you can approach it. There is the top-down approach, and then there's the bottom-up approach. Okay. And we've only looked at one with our Fibonacci example. We looked at the top-down approach. Okay. And with the top-down approach, you start with the large complex problem, and then you understand how to break it down into smaller subproblems, and then you memoize the problem into those little parts. Okay, so that's when we're saying, like, let's look at the 10th element, and we're like, "Uh uh-oh, to get the 10th element, we need the 9th and 8th. Oh, to get the 9th, we need the 8th and 7th. Like, that's what we mean by top-down? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The the big problem, the the large problem was find the 10th element, and then we're like, "Mm, okay, break it down into smaller subproblems. Right. And then we memoize along the way. Cool. So if that's the top-down approach, I bet you could guess what the bottom-up approach would look like. Okay, so the bottom-up approach must be starting from the little bitty building blocks and then working our way up to the 10th element. So it might be finding the first element, which is 0, the second element, which is 1, the third element, which is 1, the fourth element, which is (laughs) 2. I can go on forever, but I think that's what we're talking about, right? Yes, you're totally right. And in fact, when you were explaining in like the top of the episode, you talked through for Fibonacci, this is how it works. You start right. with these numbers and you just, you were adding them up. Mm-hmm. That was basically a bottom up mm-hmm. approach in the sense of you started with the smallest possible subproblem. Yeah. And you figured out the solution to those. And then you built it all up to solve yeah. the larger, more complicated problem. That seems like the the natural way to do it. Like starting from the 10th element, it doesn't even sound right to me. At least not for Fibonacci. Yeah, I think I actually agree with you there. Intuitively, we feel like, you know, why don't we just start from the beginning and yeah. on our way up? Climb on but up. I think in other kinds of computing, like maybe other types of algorithms or other problems, you don't even know necessarily what the smallest possible subproblem is uh-huh. because you can only sort of wrap your head around the larger complex version. Hmm. Or 
maybe it's not that you can't you, you're trying to wrap your head around it, but it's like okay, this is the problem. Let me break it into two parts mm. rather than let me figure out what the smallest possible part is. You might not even know that to start. Mm-hmm, Sometimes mm-hmm. you have to start with the top-down approach because you don't know what is at the bottom. Yeah. Okay. And if you take the top-down approach, you can figure it out. Okay. Neat. So the bottom-up approach that we didn't really talk through, but I can imagine, you know, all the listeners probably can, you know, sort of guess how that would go. Mm-hmm. There are a couple of benefits to that. Okay. First, if you're going from bottom up, a really nice thing is you don't actually need to store all the previous values. Oh, cool. Because you're starting from the bottom. Right. So if you're looking for the 10th element, you don't really need to remember what was the third element. Mm. You really only are trying to store the last two. So you you can store two and three and then three and four and then four and five until you get up to eight and nine. And then you have your answer. What's the value for the 10th number in Fibonacci? Mm -hmm. And the nice part about this is that if you don't need to store all the previous values, that also means you don't need a super large data structure Uh. to store your memorized values. You really only ever care about two. So you can use a smaller data structure to store two values. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cool. And then, since you only need to memoize the previous two values, now the space complexity problem is also way nicer to solve because instead of trying to memoize possibly n number of pieces of information, mm-hmm. you're just trying to memoize n minus one and n minus two mm-hmm, when mm-hmm. you get there. Cool. And that keeps changing as you work your way from the bottom up. So in general, if I'm trying to pick between my bottom-up and my top-down paradigm, should I lean towards bottom-up? If you know what the smallest possible subproblem is, yeah. Okay. Because you know what the bottom is. But again, if you don't know what that is and you're like, "Mm, all I can do is break apart my complex problem into two parts, really probably what you want to do is go for a Mm top-down. You know more about the top than you do about the bottom. Yeah. But with Fibonacci... We know how to construct it. We know how to work from two numbers, zero and one, all the way till infinity. Mm-hmm. Cool. And that's the end of today's show. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review and make sure to check out Vidi's blog post. Link is in the show notes. Also, make sure to take a listen to the Dev Discuss podcast that I help make. It's the first original podcast from Dev, a global community of software developers of all backgrounds and experience levels. And the show covers burning topics that impact the daily lives of programmers and beyond. Hosted by Dev co-founders Ben Halpern and Jess Lee. This episode was edited and mixed by Levi Sharp. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Mm-hmm.